We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, I've been kind of down for the count today. I've got a bit of a sinus infection. I've been feeling like crap all day. And uh, the NCAA, just before we started taping this podcast, made me feel already worse than I already did. Carson, I, I had just calmed down a little bit, not a lot, because I'm not a real calm person. But I had just calmed down a little bit from what went on a week ago. And I am gassed all the way back up, Carson. This is, uh, the NCAA thinks really highly of itself, doesn't it? Oh, boy. I wasn't prepared to be gassed back up, but I am too. Um, just the level of snootery, snobbery, holier-than-thou emanating from Indianapolis is absolutely disgusting. For them to act like Oklahoma State was dangerous by listing the names of these people because they got a few emails from rightfully PO'd OSU fans, they take a look in the mirror and get over it. It's absolutely asinine. And all Mike Boynton was doing was holding them accountable for their decision. The NCAA doesn't want to be accountable. They want to hide behind the letters, as Mike Boynton said. And I'm sorry, to, to say that that was dangerous, potentially dangerous by OSU, could not be more tone-deaf, highbrow, slime coming from Indianapolis that I ever could have dreamed of. It, look, it, it's just unbelievable. They, uh, they close out this statement. We know that an adverse decision can be emotional, but personal attacks against individuals simply carrying out their responsibilities are inappropriate, unethical, and potentially dangerous. What personal attacks? Mike Boynton saying their name? Is that what they're considering a personal attack? Number one, this is a public committee. This is not the CIA. This is a public NCAA infractions committee. This is not like, I mean, anybody could have gone in and gotten these names. And uh, I know somebody posted their email addresses. He, here's my thing. It says that they received threatening and offensive messages. I don't believe in threatening messages. If you're threatening people, stop. That, that's, not, that's not right. But offensive messages? Hell yeah, you better receive some offensive messages. Did they think there would be no blowback? It just it further shows to me, Carson, how removed from reality people in the NCAA offices are that they thought that this was going to happen with no blowback. And again, I don't agree with threats. I've received threats before for stuff that I've said on the radio. I think it's cheap and tacky. But offensive messages? Hell yeah, you're going to receive offensive messages. You just absolutely, you want to talk about inappropriate and unethical. How about the penalties you handed down to Oklahoma State? How about that being inappropriate and unethical? And then they want to talk about Oklahoma State personnel encouraged individuals of the NCAA to circumvent the NCAA member-created process. Hell yes, they encouraged other institutions to circumvent the process because the process is broken. It's a train wreck. That's why earlier this week there was talk about a new NCAA constitution because they don't know what they're doing. They are making it up as they go along and they are getting it wrong. So yes, Oklahoma State encouraged other member institutions to circumvent the NCAA process just like everybody should be doing. Nobody should ever com communicate and cooperate with the NCAA ever again. This statement is so tone deaf and all it's going to serve to do is refire up a fan base that was already fired up i just i am beside myself that they put out this statement well and they and they say that this is a troubling trend of misstating facts about the infractions process by the schools that disagree with the infractions outcomes at what point did mike mike boynton misstate any facts 
the the facts are pretty easy to to hammer down here. We've been over them a million times. Three hundred dollars to a who is a current player, Lamont Evans. We we know all the facts. What in in what instance was Mike Boynton misstating anything? I mean, they they might be arguing that maybe he didn't meet with them right before the Kansas. I, I don't know what they're, do you have any idea what they're even referring to with the mistake? I mean, no, I mean, the facts in this case are pretty clear. The fact is Lamont Evans, for whatever reason, $300 found its way to Jeffrey Carroll. That money was repaid. Jeffrey Carroll was suspended. And, and, and that was the end of it. Lamont Evans was fired day one. As soon as they found out, Oklahoma State picked up the phone and called the NCAA said, hey, this is what happened. How can we make it right? The NCAA then spent nearly five years investigating 17 months in the appeals process. They rule three days before the season starts. And they just expect everybody to be like, okay, we appreciate you all for doing your job. We understand that you have the student-athlete's best interest at heart, and, and we're going to move on, and we're going to become stronger from this. No, you don't have the student-athlete's best interest at heart, and they wanted to hide behind anonymity and make their little decision and move on with their day and go out and have drinks and celebrate hammering Oklahoma State and just move on. And guess what? People down here are pissed, rightfully pissed, because the people in Indianapolis sitting up in their ivory towers think that, you know, they can just do whatever they want with no accountability. That is my problem with this whole process. They want everyone else to have accountability. They have none, not one bit. It's, it's embarrassing. The NCAA is embarrassing itself. And I promise this statement that they released today is going to do so much more harm than it is good. You know, everything that we say on this podcast, Carson, everything I say, everything you say, it has our names on it. Everything we put out on Twitter, it has our names on it. Whenever I used to do radio, I've received threats for things that I said on the radio, things that I stand behind. I put my name on what I say. You made a decision, put your name on it, live with the consequences, get over yourselves, NCAA, get over yourselves. That's well said, and they're basically accusing OSU of, of having culpability for them being cyberbullied. That's that's basically what they're saying, and I think a modern-day NCAA, NCAA athlete, for instance, Spencer Sanders, could sit, the, could sit down the NCAA and show him what real cyberbullying looks like when he throws three interceptions. I can't imagine what comes across in his mentions because I've, I've received negative feedback plenty of times and sometimes ugly feedback, potentially dangerous feedback, if you will. And to me, it seems NCAA athletes have thicker skin than the actual NCAA, which is – Absolutely crazy. Because do you, don't you think, Colby, when Mike Boynton was losing a ton of games his first year, he had no bench, he's frustrated. Do you think he wanted to go sit in a press conference and explain what was going on with his team? Hell no, he didn't. But he did because he has to. And the NCAA should have to. You have to answer for what's going on. And they're not. And so I thought I still applaud Mike, Mike, Mike Boynton and, and Chad Weiberg clearly – did not fear the consequences but for naming them by name, or else Mike Boynton wouldn't have done it with, with Chad Weiberg sitting right next to him. So they're drawing a line in the sand here. Now, all I've heard all week is that they don't have much legal recourse. They, they can't do this. They can't do that. BS. This is America. You can sue anyone for anything. And I'm suing the pants off the NCAA. I'm making this – I'm dragging this out as long as I can to where – you know, they even say in their statement they're looking at reviewing how the infractions even goes, not to mention all the other constitutional stuff that's coming up. With the NCAA is dying a quick death, so I'm suing the pants off them until they die and go away. You don't have to answer for this crap, these, these horrible uh, 
restrictions and suspensions, the loss of scholarships, the, the no postseason play, to hell with them. I, I'm, I'm lawyering the hell up is what I'm doing. Yeah, and you make a great point about student-athletes, right? Because the NCAA is looking out for the student-athletes. We've all seen if a kicker, let's say a team's down by two and a kicker misses a field goal as time expires that would have won on the game, the mentions that that kicker receives after the game are enough to make your stomach churn. I mean, these are 19, 20, 21-year-old kids who are out here with 11 guys trying to take their heads off, and they've got to get a ball to go between two poles from 40 yards away with their foot. It's incredibly difficult. And the, the tweets that they get if they miss that field goal, it's enough to make you want to puke. And you know what the NCAA doesn't come out and do? They don't release statements. They don't come out and defend their student-athletes because they don't care about the student-athlete. And the most funny thing to me is like, Oklahoma State identified these people by name. And then they send out this statement, and at the end, they put all their names. John DeGoya, NCAA Board of Governors Chair and President of Georgetown. Jared Moorhead, NCAA Division I Board of Directors Chair and President of Georgia. And then Mark Emmert, the NCAA President. Yeah, put your name on it, guys. You want to release that week's statement? Hey, put your name on it. I just... I really don't know what they were trying to accomplish here. I can't even possibly fathom it. And, yes, if I'm Oklahoma State, I am lawyering up. The NCAA has botched this so, so bad, so, so bad. And they th I think that they just assumed that they were going to make their ruling, people would be mad for the rest of the day, and then everybody would get over it and move along. No, nobody's getting over it anytime soon. This basketball team, this head coach have been robbed. All these players have been robbed of the chance to compete in not only the NCAA tournament, but also the Big 12 tournament. And this is going to be a really good basketball team, and they don't deserve this. And, you know, the NCAA wants everybody else to have some accountability. Well, guess what? Accountability is knocking on your door now, and I hope you're ready for it. Colby, I believe we have a special guest. Sorry to uh... – to change the subject really quick sim <laughs> sim drain are you with us can you hear us i've got i'm showing sim connecting to audio but we are close to okay. sim drain who for at least two more days carson is the fifth leading tackler in oklahoma state history we love our listeners we threw this out on uh, on sunday night's pod we're like we're, we're looking at the list and we're like sim drain what a great name by the way we were saying slim don't know where we got that i Apolo misread it apologies sim drain joining us now here on the pistols pistols firing podcast who like i was saying sim for at least two more days the fifth leading tackler in oklahoma state history how you doing we're glad you could join us thank you i appreciate it yeah, Sim, this is, this is Carson Cunningham. I, I botched your name. I was looking at the all-time leading tacklers, and for some reason, the I, I thought there was an L in there. I was calling you Slim Drain, and I couldn't find you on the Google machine at all. Lo and behold, I got your name wrong. I apologize for that. But we were marveling at uh, your, your career tackles t total. But first, has any, did any school teachers botch your name the same way I did when they were calling roll? Just uh, me. Shoot. A uh, few did, uh, okay. but after a while, they kind of got the, the hang of it. It's well, not too hard. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, well, Sim, obviously you played with, with Barry Sanders. He's getting honored this weekend. Uh, Mike Gundy had some great quotes this week about how if he played in today's offenses, he would have ran for 4,000 yards. Just tell us about what it was like seeing Barry up close and, and maybe even trying to tackle him. Well, um <laughs> He was unlike uh, any running back that we had. He was uh, really special. Uh, a lot of God-given talent, uh, incredible person, uh, uh, really deep character. Uh, had the honor of knowing his dad. Uh, 
just uh, really, you know, a great person to be around. Yeah, Sam, you were a part, I mean, one of the key pieces on that defense of what a lot of people would probably consider the golden era of Oklahoma State football. I mean, you were there from 86 to 89. That's Thurman Thomas. That's Barry Sanders. That's Mike Gundy. That's Hartley Dykes. That's Sim Drain, top five tackler in Oklahoma State history. What was that era at Oklahoma State like? Because for a lot of people like myself, I, I mean, I'm too young. I, I was born in the early 90s. I don't remember any of that. I've watched all the highlights. I've watched the games. I've looked up the statistics. But that era, late 80s Oklahoma State football, I mean, what was it like being one of the most talented members of what was one of the most talented eras of football in Oklahoma State history? Well, that's a lot. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was. I always felt like I was very fortunate, uh, just uh, blessed to to be there and kind of be at, be there at that time. Um, you're absolutely right. You know, Thurman, um, a lot of the guy, along with Barry Hartley Dykes, Mike Gundy. Uh, it was really a talented group of folks that were there, and uh, you know, I don't put a whole lot of thought into. Uh, you know, my role in that is just kind of ancient history. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a little surprised that, uh, that the record lasted as long as it did. Uh, but I, I'm really excited about Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, I think he's definitely going to hit it. Um, he is uh, a heck of a, a linebacker. I really enjoy watching him. I'm excited for him. And uh, I, I'd love just to shake his hand and tell him congratulations. Well, Sim, I, I assume you've watched a lot of their games, in, including with Malcolm Rodriguez on defense. You know, Sim, we've, we've had this podcast for, for years now, and we've always just bemoaned the fact that Oklahoma State's been a lead on offense but just weren't very good on defense, seemingly dating back to when Pat, Pat Jones was the, the coach at Oklahoma State. Obviously, you guys played great defense un, under him. But just what's it like for you watching Oklahoma State now and watching that defense, man, because they're one, they're one of the best in the country. Yeah, they are. Uh, I'm really excited for them. Uh, you know, if you could kind of just uh, pick and choose, uh, I, I guess, uh, the, the, which defense and which offense you could put together, uh, it'd be pretty exciting to, to have Barry out there uh, running around and hardly dykes. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, you can't. You kind of you, you, you play the hand that you're dealt with. And, uh, you know, I really think that they've got a lot of talent on offense. Uh, I watched uh, Tay Martin and and uh, the quarterbacks that they have, I think, uh, are really talented. I just think that they've got to – everything's got to kind of fall in line. And uh, some of that requires a little bit of time, but it seems like it's starting to mesh and mold. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, they'll be running on all cylinders come these next few games. Yeah, Sam, we've talked a lot about the fact that – I mean, we spent a decade plus – as Oklahoma State fans, watching this team win games 52-41 to 41 and 56-52. to 52. And it's just such a different feel now. I mean, me and Carson have even talked about it. You know, now if you need to get up and go to the bathroom, if you need to get up and go get a drink, you don't do it when that defense is on the field because they're going to make a play. They're going to do something special. And West Virginia last week had 33 carries for 16 yards. Now, some of that is a 27-yard loss on a, on a – ball getting kicked backward by the quarterback on a fumble but but still even if you take that away they average about a yard a carry I, I mean we're trying to think of dominant defenses in Oklahoma State history and like I said I'm a little bit younger so I'm looking at this one and, and I don't really see a comparable um wh where do you think that this stacks up in terms of defenses throughout Oklahoma State history yes, I, I would definitely say it's probably one of the better defenses uh, uh 
my mind kind of jumps back to uh, uh, the days of back when you had guys like Leslie O'Neill and uh, Mike Green and, and uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. Uh, I'm a little bit old and been hit in the head too many times. I can't remember everybody's <laughs> name. Uh, so uh, I, I, I really think that they've had some talent in the past. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of compare and contrast that to is sometimes it, it's, it matters greatly in terms of who you're playing. Uh, there's been a lot of talent throughout the Big 8 back when I played, now the Big 12. Uh, there's a lot of folks that have gone on to play in the league and, and, and from a lot of different schools that were all part of that. So uh, just the talent level that you have out there, it varies. You know, sometimes uh, it resides in, in Stillwater. Other times it resides in Norman and, and uh, Nebraska no longer. Uh, uh, but uh, certainly it's, it's not restricted to uh, uh, the zip code of Stillwater. Speaking of that zip code, Sim, you, you went to Stillwater High School. Uh, we were very highly recruited. You had the opportunity to go to the University of Oklahoma, but you chose to stay in, in your hometown. Just tell us – take us back. I know you said you've been hit in the head a few times. That's Maybe I have too because I got your name wrong on the, on the first attempt. But just take us back to your recruitment and, and why ultimately you felt uh, you wanted to stay close to home. Well, uh, it, it was uh, – we're losing you a bit. Passed away back in. Uh, Sorry, Sam, you broke up a little bit. How's that? There you go. Now you better. You. Yeah, now we yeah, got you. Just start okay. over with what you're saying. I think we were breaking up a little bit. No worries. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, no, I was just saying at the time, um, I had my dad was sick and uh, I, health wise, I didn't know how long he, I had him and I just wanted to be around family. So um, that was a big part of it. Um, I, I, I'd always lean towards uh, Stillwater. I'm kind of a, uh, a lover of the underdog and always felt like uh, OU kind of was on top of it all the time and, and wanted someone to kind of knock them off and wanted to be a part of that. Uh, I had met Mike uh, Gundy, uh, I believe we went on several recruiting trips. I think he was at uh, OU at the time. I went there, then also at Texas A&M. And uh, I think at Texas A&M, I kind of looked over and I said, I, I, I don't think I'm going to do this here. I'm definitely going <laughs> to stay home. I just It was one of the visits that, that I made. And, and uh, I think at that point, Mike was kind of also sold on, on, on Stillwater. And so uh, we decided to meet up there. I, I felt like it would be a, a great uh, uh, to kind of play with him. And I'd played with him against him in high school, and he was a heck of a quarterback in high school as well. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Mike. Uh, you played with him, know him. Did, he, did you ever get the sense whenever you were playing, like did he have the coach vibe? Because some guys, you know, they're players, but they've got the coach vibe. Like you can tell one day that guy's going to be wearing a headset. And now Mike Gundy is the most successful head coach in the history of the school, and he's still doing it, one of the longest tenured coaches in the entire country. Um, whenever y'all were young, did you think like, yeah, that guy, he's going to be wearing a headset one day? Uh, that really didn't cross my mind. Uh... I never really thought of him as a coach. Uh, you know, the, the one thing about Mike is, is he's a winner and he's competitive. Um, he may not always show you, show you that, that, you know, he's a, 
but he's always got a he's just his he's got a incredible will to win and he is a competitor um one of the things that i saw from him in high school i, I mean i'd try to hit him and <laughs> it hurt him if i could but he'd, he'd get the ball out of his hand quicker than i could get there so mike was uh, uh really talented and a uh, heck of a competitor still is yeah i've always heard that about him and you know pat jones has mentioned that a lot on, on the radio about mike and and just he, he will he willed his way onto the field as as eventually as a freshman but yeah. I, I got to know, Sim, Mike strikes me as having a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. He used to rock – he still rocks the gold chain. I'm sure he was rocking that on your recruiting visits. What was Mike like away from the field? Because we know he's a great quarterback, great coach, and obviously a great competitor. But what was he, he kind of like away from the field? Um, he's just a decent human being. Uh, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about him is uh, uh, he kind of treats everybody the same. And uh, – He's got that uh, – he definitely has that, that swagger, uh, but he backs it up. And, uh, you know, the incredible thing about him is just that he's, uh, he's, he's, going, he's still going there and, he, and he's doing a heck of a job. Uh, you know, I really think he's a, a top-notch person above all things. Absolutely. All right, Sam, uh, this Saturday, honoring Barry Sanders statue, names going up in the ring of honor. It's a blackout. It's a night game. Oklahoma State's a 12-point favorite. Uh, how are you feeling for this weekend against TCU, and what do you think the ceiling for this team is as we go ahead? Tenth-ranked team in the country. Uh, one game at a time. Uh, TCU this week. Uh, I, I, I think now you sound like a, Coach Gundy. I, I think it'll, it'll be <laughs> – a tight game. TCU's got a class program, and uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yep, us too, Sam. Sam, we really appreciate your time. It's been great catching up with you. Before we let you go, tell the folks listening to the podcast, because I had so many people reach out to me when I when I botched your first name that said we had to have you on the show. I'm sure a lot of listeners don't know what you're up to now, so so let us let us know. Um, I've, I've been in Dallas now for a little over 26 years now and uh, kind of still with the same company uh, uh, doing the healthcare software uh, kind of where have worn a variety of different hats with the company that I work for now and uh, yeah, I enjoy it it's uh, I've raised three kids I've got two that are well my daughter's about to graduate here in December uh, she's going to have a master's from Texas A&M. Um, by the way, I married a, a young lady from uh, that, that went to school at A&M uh, when I met her. And, so A&M uh, did work out eventually for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Texas A&M did work out for me. Provided my wife. Um, three kids. Uh, my oldest son is Sim the Fourth. Um, he's probably all over Facebook. Uh, about the the only kind of uh, social media I do is LinkedIn. So. I'm, no Facebook, no uh, uh, Twitter, any of the other stuff. Just too busy to, to pay attention to it. And then I have a, a younger, a, a daughter again. That's uh, her name's Simone. And then uh, my my youngest son is Andrew, and he is a sophomore, uh, uh, just finishing up his sophomore year now. Well, outstanding, Sim. We really appreciate your time and uh, cheer hard for the Pokes this weekend. All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care, Sim. We appreciate okay. it. Okay. Well, Colby, that is the power of the Pistols Firing podcast. We spoke 
we spoke Sam in, into existence on the pod. I, again, as I mentioned, we had it just amazes me, Colby, how many people that you don't realize listen. I had so many people even approach me in person that have said they listen and they said, you gotta, you gotta get Sim on because you, you screwed up his names, but uh, he, he seems like a really articulate guy. And I'd, I'd heard that about him as well, but it was, it was great catching up with him. And it just kind of shows you the power of the PFB podcast. We had to give the people what they want. Yeah. Sim's awesome. Can't thank him enough for his time for joining us tonight. And yeah, like you said, as soon as that pod went out, I started getting tweets. Sim, it's Sim, not slim. It's Sim. And I know everybody out there, especially the old timers are listening to us thinking, gosh, these guys, these guys are botching the, uh, the, 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 the old school names. So uh, big shout out to Sim drain for joining us. And yeah, two more days as the fifth leading tackler. Malcolm Rodriguez needs three to tie him, uh, four to overtake him. Uh, but I think Sim Drain will, will happily accept being the sixth leading tackler in Oklahoma State history. Yeah, Sim, he emailed us and said that uh, an OSU alum named Scott Gray reached out to him. So we want to thank Scott because he, uh, he ended up contacting uh, PFB and, and us to, to come on the pod. So it was great stuff. Um, do you have anything more to say with the NCAA before we move on to football? I think I pretty much got it all out of my system. Just, uh, I mean, they want everyone to be accountable except themselves. It's not how this works. It's not no. how this works. The, the, whole, the whole response of, well, people are being mean to us. Uh, okay. Okay. Pe- people are mean to everybody. It's the internet. Get over it. Get over yourselves. Um, I mean, they're still cowards. They're still weak. Weak leaders don't answer questions. Um, shout out Mike Boyne. Yeah, and I mean, again, I don't, I don't know what, comes of this now i mean is osu going to release a statement to the statement to their statement i don't know it's uh it's going to be interesting to watch over the next few weeks months however long this this will last and i'm i'm anxious to see what happens to some other schools uh because i think that'll just put even more fuel on the fire for oklahoma state because i just sit there and watch kansas win a big game and they believe last night and they're just they're just moving about their business unscathed when they did did way more than oklahoma state just it's asinine yeah, exactly. It's like they're, they're like Oklahoma State is telling other members not to uh, to circumvent the process, the NCAA process that everyone's agreed upon. Dude, Kansas is already circumventing the process. And you know what you can do about it? Nothing. You can't do anything about it because you can't prove it. And guess what? You're going to have a whole lot more of that on your hands because a whole lot less schools are going to cooperate. And that's on you. You made your bed. You get to lay in it. I agree. I agree. Well, I tell you what, Colby, <laughs> T- Oklahoma State's playing two teams that don't really have a head coach. They have interim on their names. But I, I think this TCU matchup, I'm far more concerned about it now after watching Chandler Morris throw for 460 yards last week and upsetting Baylor. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's, he, I mean, he, got, he was on scholarship at Oklahoma. That, that tells you all you need to know about how good of a quarterback he is. But I'm a little more worried about this game than I would have been with, with Max Duggan at the helm. Um, yeah, maybe I'll say with Duggan at the helm, my concern level would have been a one. My concern level as we sit here currently is a two. It's still very low. I'm very confident in Oklahoma State this week. I I feel like this team has turned a corner mentally, psychologically. You know, every game doesn't have to be a close game. You, you can run somebody off the field. Oklahoma State's done that a couple of weeks in a row against Kansas and against West Virginia. Uh, and I know somebody out there is thinking, well, TCU's a lot better than those schools. TCU's not a lot better than West Virginia. Even with Chandler Morris, TCU's defense is a train wreck. Um, and the reason I was concerned about TCU for a while was Gary Patterson ha- has kind of had 
Mike Gundy's number, kind of had Oklahoma State's number. I think last week for TCU, I really think it was a big emotion week, right? You, Gary Patterson's gone after so, so long. That team shows up, and that team just gives it everything they have. It was an emotional week. They laid it all on the line. They got a big win on the interception from, uh, from, from Bohannon, from Baylor. I just think that that level of energy and emotion, that's going to be really hard for TCU to replicate. I, I mean, the line is 12 right now. I expect Oklahoma State to cover that line, Carson. I don't think this is going to be a close game. I, I agree and I disagree. I don't – again, I, I don't think OSU is going to lose this game. Let me just state it that way. But I, I might end up picking TC to cover. I just think we've seen this before, right, where Oklahoma State's got a great season. They're 8-1, 9-1, 10-0. And they've slipped up a lot of games at home, a lot of games. TCU, I believe, I believe has won four out of five against Oklahoma State, something like that. Um, it just – it kind of feel I know you say TCU comes off a, a big win, emotional win. It's kind of a, a bad spot for Oklahoma State because you just – you come home, we're, we're great. Everyone's talking up Jim Knowles and the defense, rightfully so. Everything's great with Spencer Sanders. I don't know, man. I, I just – I have a bad feeling about this game. I do. Um, I'm not going to pick TCU to win. <laughs> I think this defense is is dominant, and just to prove it, uh, Marshall Scott, with a hat tip to the OSU Athletics Department, put out these stats. Uh, Oklahoma State's number two in the country in third down defense, number three in total defense, number three in 10-plus yards plays allowed. They're top five in rushing defense, tackles for loss, and first down defense. And then the list goes on from there. But they're ninth in scoring defense as well, which I guess is what Kirk Herbstreet was referring to because he gets on the – college football playoff show and calls Oklahoma State the ninth best defense in the country I'm like uh Kirk they're they're way better than the ninth best like are you watching the games clearly you just looked up scoring defense and said I'm gonna go with that one that that's good there's not a more archaic measurement of a defense than scoring defense there really isn't we have so many ways to measure defense and Kirk Herbstreit runs out scoring defense. That's that's good. That's rich. Uh, yards no, I mean, per play. Hello, yeah. like that's I mean, 2021, Kirk. Uh, also, I mean, some people you can say with this what you want. The most important thing a defense can do is get off the field. Oklahoma State is as good as anyone in the country at getting off the field on third down. You know what bad defenses do? They let you convert third downs. They let you extend drives. Oklahoma State doesn't do that because Jim Knowles, he just he knows the button to push and he knows exactly when to push it. It's like it's like he's playing rock, paper, scissors against the other team's offensive coordinator, and he already knows what the other guy's gonna throw up before his hand goes down. So he already knows what he's gonna do. It's you know, it, it's chess to checkers, and this is much better than the ninth best defense in the country. Uh, most everything I've seen, yes, Georgia's won. I can see Georgia is one. They have defensive tackles lifting offensive linemen off the ground. It's it's insane what Georgia's doing defensively. Behind yep. that, behind that, I mean, there's two or three other schools that might be right there with Oklahoma State. Wisconsin would be one of them. But Oklahoma State is right there in that second, third, or fourth best defense in the country, uh, depending on how you're feeling that day. How about these stats? I'm with you on that. It's Georgia and everyone else. And I, I still think Georgia is a little limited offense, offensively. when they, They're going to play a lot tougher teams moving forward. Uh, Stetson, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, in my opinion, is not winning a national championship. I, I, I don't care who their defense is. 
That's just my opinion. But how about these numbers? These are even better. OSU's defense has allowed fewer than 100 yards of offense in a half in seven of their past eight games. Just think about that. Seven of their past eight allowed fewer than 100 yards in a half. OSU has held 18 of their past 20 opponents under their scoring average and held their opponents to less than a 50% third down conversion rate in 20 straight games, which just shows you what we've been what we, we've been talking about and I keep bringing up is this dates back to last year. This is not just the OSU defense coming out of nowhere. They were really good last year, and the offense was, was hit or miss, as it's been at times this year. But Colby, they're, they're elite defensively, just absolutely elite with a capital E, and it's just it's hard to – it's hard to hurl any more superlatives at them than we haven't already done. But, I, again, I, I don't know if the, the national folks are, are watching because Reese Davis called Oklahoma State the Iowa of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Iowa scored 26 points in their last three games combined. Oklahoma State scored 24 in their last game out. And they could have had 35-38, as Mike Gundy said, after the game. It's just – even when the narrative totally changes about Oklahoma State <laughs> to the defensive side of the ball, they're still getting terrible comparisons. They used to compare Oklahoma State to Texas Tech, all offense, no defense, when in actuality they were playing much better, better defense than Tech. It's just you cannot trigger me any harder than comparing Oklahoma State to Iowa, who is allergic to the forward pass along with the rest of that conference. Colby, did you see my tweet about Oklahoma State's – or I'm sorry, Iowa's schedule – <laughs> I don't think I did. Oh, you missed this. Okay, great. Uh, so I watched the – for some reason, I watched the college football playoff show. I know. I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know why I do it. It's stupid. It means nothing. But I guess I had nothing better to do. Can Just imagine Chad Weiberg walking into Mike Gundy's office saying, Coach Gundy, we're going to the Big Ten, and you're playing Iowa's 2021 schedule. Indiana, at Iowa State, Kent State, Colorado State, at Maryland. Penn State, Purdue, at Wisconsin, at Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, at Nebraska. You want to talk about Cream Puff Central, Charmin Soft schedule, just look at Iowa. And they still can only score 26 points through in their last three games combined. Like, why do people think the Big Ten's good? What, what am I missing? We have this conversation all the time. You know what the problem is? There might be too many Big Ten people in decision-making areas. I mean, I, mean I, I really think that. You know, you talk about Iowa. Iowa's – is it the AD? There's somebody in the Iowa uh, University that is part of the college football playoff committee. It's just – it's this weird Big Ten bias where Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State – like, obviously, only one of those teams is going to win that conference. But the idea that Michigan and Michigan State right now are both better than a 9-0 Oklahoma – a one-loss Notre Dame, which I don't think Notre Dame is very good this year, but also a one-loss Oklahoma State that has looked remarkably impressive, especially on the defensive side of the ball in doing so. I just – I don't get it. I really don't get it. You have Oklahoma State, that schedule Iowa played. Look, they have one common opponent, so if you want to say Oklahoma State loses to Iowa State, that's fine. Oklahoma State did lose to Iowa State. Oklahoma State's not losing another game on that schedule. They're just not. I mean, uh, Purdue, pretty good team. Oklahoma State would handle them. Wisconsin, pretty good team. Both have great defenses. I feel pretty confident thinking that Oklahoma State's offense that's actually, you know, modern, not 1984, would be able to move the ball a little better on Wisconsin than they would on Oklahoma State. I I really wish that Oklahoma State had the opportunity to play one of these teams. I I wish Oklahoma State would have played Wisconsin in the non-conference. Now, 
I, I wish this version of Oklahoma State could have played Wisconsin in the non-conference because Oklahoma State, the first few weeks of the season, they had some things that they needed to figure it out. They figured it all out. This is a really good football team, and I, I sincerely hope that Oklahoma State runs the table because, I mean, that's, that's the one-way ticket to get the respect that you deserve. Run the table, prove it to people, because that's the thing. We talked about the most important metric in college football whenever we recorded the other day. HL, it's that helmet logo. If you're a school like Oklahoma State, you have to prove it, and then you have to prove it again before anybody will take you seriously. So hopefully Oklahoma State does that this last month of the season. See, I, I agree with that, but Michigan State doesn't have to prove it. They, I, I know. They don't have to prove it. It's Big I mean, Ten. They beat, they beat I don't, I don't Miami. Good job. They beat a Michigan team that's overrated every single year, and that's another thing I tweeted. I said the only reason Michigan is ranked every year, ranked high every year, and Michigan State this year, they get to play in the same conference as Illinois, Indiana, Northwestern, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, Purdue, and Minnesota. That's eight programs who stink at football. Stink. Minnesota won 11 games in 2019. It was the first time since 1904 that they won double-digit games. Are, are you kidding me? Like, I didn't even put Rutgers on the Iowa schedule this year for Mike Gundy. Imagine if you got Rutgers every, every other year or every year. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm sorry. Just the, the love for the Big Ten is just is crazy. And you're right. It's uh, Gary Barta is the athletic director of Iowa. He's the, he's the committee spokesperson, whatever, what have you. And I, I don't think the committee's – you know, doing anything shady behind the scenes. I just think there's an overinflated sense of superiority amongst the Big Ten. And I, I don't see – it's like they don't watch the games because nothing about the Big Ten scares Oklahoma State at all. At all. And, and again, they – I just uh, – I had a point to bring up, and I just forgot I was so triggered. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I by no means think that there's anything shady going on. I just think that people have biases. And I think Big Ten people have Big Ten biases. Oh, I remember. I think Northeast people have Big Ten biases. Go ahead. What was your thought? Just imagine. Close your eyes. 2015 and 2016 college football playoff semifinal. Imagine a team from the Big Ten scoring zero points in an entire game in 2015 and 2016 semifinals because that's what the Big Ten did. Didn't score a point for two consecutive playoff appearances. Imagine if the Big 12 did that. Imagine if Oklahoma State got a chance to go to the playoff and, and did that. The, the Big 12 would be written off. They wouldn't even be a factor. They wouldn't even be discussed if they did that. But for some reason, nobody cared at the Big Ten. We have – documented proof they're not any good on offense it's not their defenses they're horrible offensively you got brett bielema running formations with no wide receivers it's like it's like a 14 man box is what it looks like because he's got so many linemen on the field i just uh we better we're running out of time for this uh zoom recording so we better get to our picks yeah, and, I'm you know, livid. I do think past seasons have play a role in college football playoff rankings. How, how could you not? Um, but it doesn't apply to the Big Ten. Like you said, maybe it's because Ohio State won the first one, but, I mean, OU's 9-0, and they're eighth, behind a bunch of teams with one loss. Why? Because these Big Ten people are tired of seeing them going to the playoff and lose. But that doesn't apply to Michigan State. I, it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Uh, picks for this weekend. Michigan State was one of those that got shut out, by the way. Oh, yeah, I remember. They got they yeah they got absolutely embarrassed. Um, I'm gonna go blackout man. It's gonna be rocking Saturday night. I can't wait. I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. It's a bad TCU defense. We'll go Oklahoma State 34, TCU 13. Say that again. What's the score? 
Uh, Oklahoma State 34, TCU 13 is my call. I believe in this Oklahoma State defense. I said they'd give up 17 last week. That was too many. I'll say 13 this week. About what I picked. I think I picked 35-14 last week, so we're just a week apart. Uh, I, I'm sticking to my guns here. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Oklahoma – TCU's defense is terrible, so I, I think this might be a little higher scoring than than past Oklahoma State games. Uh, I'm going to go 31 – Mm. 31 24 is my pick i think i think chandler moore is going to give them some problems and i and again i i do think that's a, a cover late i don't think it's like nip and tuck the entire way i could just see them scoring in the fourth quarter to to make the, the game seem closer than it was maybe for the duration of it that's kind of how i see this game playing out yeah, I can see that. I don't think that that is a, a crazy pick by any means. Um, I just, man, I've seen TCU all year long. And last week, again, I think it was an emotion game against Baylor. I really do. I think they were fired up. They played with a lot of passion, a lot of hearts. First game with Chandler Morris. Um, I, I think this is going to be different with Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State will take care of business. I hope I'm right. Man, Boom Pickens Stadium is going to be fun Saturday night. Well, you're, you're on the right track because Oklahoma State's covered seven straight games. They're, they're covering machines. The alumni is happy with, with Mike Gundy covering all his point spreads. All right, let's hear from Chris University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Time for the uniform prediction, Colby. What would you end up going with? I'm going to go – look, I think they're going full throwbacks. It's, it's Barry. It's 88. I think they're going old-school OSU insignia uh, in white on the side of the black helmets. I think they'll go with the old-school Oklahoma State across the chest jerseys from 1988. Uh, and then they'll go black pants as well. So I'm expecting an old-school throwback full-on blackout for this one. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, a blackout, they got to go all black, right? So um, just to be different, I'll go white, black, white with the 88 throwback and black. I'm kind of I'm picturing a little Heisman Trophy on the back of the helmet. Maybe it would be really cool if there was like a Heisman Trophy going through like the O on the old school OSU, something like that. Maybe they combine the logos somehow, or maybe they just slap 21 on the helmet, kind of like they did with, for homecoming with the, the Jersey numbers, but I'll go with white, black, white. Yeah, I can see white, black, white. I could also see them doing what they did for uh, the Brandon Wheaton Colorado game. That was white, black, black mm. for that game. So uh, yeah, I think that they've got some flexibility with what they want to do with the blackout, but I hope it's an all black throwback. Yep. Me too. Well, Colby, we're limited on time since we had a guest on, uh, so we appreciate it. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll, we'll get back with you next week. Thanks again to Sim Drain Third coming on the podcast. We give the people what we want. We appreciate everyone who listens. I love everyone that chimes in with, with their takes and with uh, guest recommendations for, as, as Sim Drain as well. So we appreciate everybody listening. And, Colby, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Absolutely. Go Pokes.